You're listening to The Guardians of Sleep, a podcast produced by the Museum of Dreams. My name is Sharon Slabinski. In this first season, we partnered with the Museum of London to find out how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected the dream life of people living in the British capital. This episode has a slightly different focus. You're going to meet Ruby here, another Londoner who will share some of her COVID dreams. But this time you're also going to hear more from the interviewer. In this case, it's Amber Jacobs, who is a staff member at Birkbeck's Department of Psychosocial Studies. What makes this interview special, I mean apart from Ruby's really amazing and detailed dreams, is the interaction between Ruby and Amber. And we're going to focus on this exchange between them in this episode. But first, just a little warning, some of you might find the content of this episode difficult. It deals with the death of a friend, and the grief that can come from such losses. Okay, it should be recording now. This is the Guardians of Sleep project. It's February the 20th, 2021. I'm Amber Jacobs, the interviewer, and I would like you to introduce yourself, if that's okay. Yeah, hi, I'm Ruby Norman Curran. I'm very excited to start talking about dreams. I've always dreamed, but I'm not one of those people that dreams every night. I'm a little bit jealous of those people that dream every night, but I have always enjoyed dreams and I never understand when people are like, oh, there's nothing as boring as listening to other people's dreams, because that is literally the most interesting thing to me. I love listening to other people's dreams. I love talking about my own dreams. Maybe that makes me boring. Sharing a dream is a special kind of communication. If you've ever tried to share one of your own dreams with someone, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We're not really in charge of our dream plots, or at least we don't often feel like we're the authors of these nighttime adventures. And so when we share a dream with someone else, it can feel like we're divested of our usual authorial agency over ourselves. But this in turn can actually make for a wonderful kind of conversation because neither party is really in the driver's seat, so to speak. And this is really what the Guardians of Sleep is all about. What kinds of conversation can be had when people speak to each other intimately about something that neither one of them really has control over? It's a kind of speaking without power. And I find it hard not to think about the political potential of this kind of conversation. What if more of our dialogue could be like this? Two people talking about profound experiences with extraordinary openness and a kind of deep listening that's not about seeking control over knowledge, but more about being attuned to the other. I used to have anxiety dreams, but they were only a really specific type of anxiety dream. So I dreamed that I couldn't push the buttons on a phone. I couldn't dial 999 to call for help or I couldn't dial my mum's number in order to call for backup. Your hand kind of moves in slow motion. And I stopped having those dreams in COVID and started having these quite intense dreams that had these themes of anxiety running through them, but weren't my typical anxiety dream. I didn't normally dream about things like aliens, but I would start having these alien invasion dreams, which is quite out of character for me. Wow, that's amazing. What kind of aliens? It was more of a kind of vague threat. Aliens had invaded the world and the only people that were safe were archaeologists. So everybody had to become an archaeologist in order to 
um, of, I don't know why, dream logic. Um, but you, you were only safe if you're an archaeologist, but the archaeology schools have cottoned on to this. And so they were weed out people that didn't really want to be archaeologists and just wanted to be safe for the aliens and only allow the true archaeologists to study archaeology. And somehow I had managed to trick them. There was a sense of me having kind of pulled one over on the authorities. You had to jump through various hoops in order to be safe from these aliens, which I suppose when you think about it is probably quite a straightforward metaphor for feeling unsafe from COVID. So would you say that the the previous anxiety dreams pre-COVID, before COVID, were very much to do with more sort of local human threat, but that since COVID the threat became sort of more non-human or kind of less defined, that it wasn't in the realm of the known or the human? The thing that happened in the anxiety dreams before COVID was that there was an answer and I couldn't get to the answer. The answer was I needed to call somebody and that would solve the problem. Whereas in the new dreams, the threats are a lot more amorphous and unclear. I suppose, yeah, known. I hadn't thought of it like that, but yes, now you say it, that does seem to make sense. They were more known. The threats felt quite different. I really like this exchange between Ruby and Amber. Amber is hearing something in Ruby's dream report and she draws out the symbolic weight of the experience. Indeed, the symbolic weight that seems to be a kind of shared experience of the global pandemic. Symbolization is one of the most important parts of dream work. This is the way that dreams render our experience figuratively. So ideas and emotions get presented in visual terms, like aliens. One of the ways that Ruby symbolizes her experience of the pandemic and of the period of lockdown in particular is through a repeated character that accompanies her on adventures. This girl started appearing just before lockdown in my dreams. She is this companion figure. It's difficult to explain. She's not a pleasant character, but she's not horrible. There was one dream I had where I dreamed that we were walking through a village and we were invited into somebody's house and they had a tunnel in the cellar and we were like oh tunnel that sounds kind of exciting and the man was like oh you can explore if you want to but nobody knows how deep the tunnel goes it might go on forever and if you do go in beware of the bones beware of the long bones and then what happens you go into the the tunnel and then do you wake up before yeah we don't find the end you find the bones there are bones everywhere what kind of bones? It's implied that they are animal bones, but they're definitely human bones. The explanation on the surface is, oh, they're just animal bones, probably left over from ages ago. The long bones are human leg bones, and they start appearing as you go further down the tunnel. Wow. And I, I wake up before I find the end of the tunnel. And are you frightened? I think it's a sense of unease. And I'm partly interested because I'm like, why are there human bones in there? And partly frightened, and partly I know why there are human bones in there. There are human bones in there because it's an endless tunnel and people have starved, and then there's a point beyond which you can't come back. To travel back is going to take too long, and you'll die before you get out. Oh. oh, that's amazing. So it's kind of about death, the dream, because you're actually in the tunnel that 
you're saying you're too short to come out. yeah it's quite powerful so i can't help thinking of the archaeologists as well with the ancient bones oh yeah there's a weird archaeology digging things up theme <laughs> yeah you said you wanted to go in the tunnel as well because you were curious about the bones like a true archaeologist <laughs> so that you're saying to the authorities even in this dream i am an archaeologist <laughs> i am an archaeologist i will be <laughs> I wanted to be an archaeologist when I was a little kid. That was what I thought I would grow up to be, which I didn't grow up to be. So maybe it's to do with dreams from youth and things that you wanted to do before that rosy, idealistic view of the past. Wow, there is so much going on in this exchange. In her dream, Ruby is figuring out her experience of the pandemic in this archaeological way. She's trying to find a way to represent something for which there isn't yet representation. And heading into a tunnel full of bones that you can't see the end of, what a remarkable way to represent the experience of society being shut down for the foreseeable future. I just want to highlight though the exchange between Ruby and Amber. I'm not sure if you caught Amber's initial response to Ruby's dream. She said, so it's kind of about death, the dream. And then they have a bit of a laugh Amber hears something about the connected content in Ruby's imaginary life. But from here on out, the emotional tone shifts. Amber's comment seems to have registered something that Ruby herself hasn't yet processed. And as the conversation continues, Ruby starts to become a bit more emotional. This exchange has opened something up in her. There's been a lot more dreams about death. I've dreamed about speaking to people that I knew who have died in the last year, I dreamed that I could contact them and speak to them. And they were very weird and quite disturbing, those dreams, because the conversations were so normal. All the normal things are strange and all the strange things are normal. So speaking to the dead, I have these, I had this boring conversation with this person that had passed away. And I'm sure it was just my brain trying to kind of like process but you would think if you were having a dream about a kind of grandiose subject like being able to contact the dead and there's so much ritual in the dream before we get to that stage, I have to engage my friends and they have magical powers and we can only do it if we work in a three and all of us have to put in our, our element and then I will be able to speak to the dead. And then when I get through, they don't say any of the things that I was expecting them to say. They don't say anything reassuring, they're just confused as to what has happened. And that that was so... It was such a disturbing dream, and partly because uh, my friend had passed away. I wanted a reassuring message. When people pass away, a lot of people talk about these dreams where they visit them and they say reassuring things. You know, I'm, I'm safe and I'm fine, and I was sort of expecting that. So to wake up and have this conversation that wasn't terrible, like it wasn't awful, but it wasn't satisfying, was was worse than if it had been dramatic in any kind of way, if it had been dramatic in a kind of like positive way, where it's like, I'm totally fine and everything's great, or if it had been like, everything's terrible, then I think I would have been able to kind of assign it as, nah, dream. But because it had this element of reality, it felt like a real conversation that you would have. It was a boring conversation. It was ultimately more disturbing. Yeah. It wasn't disappointing as such, it was just, sort of concerning more than anything because it felt like we'd gone through this huge thing and 
the answer wasn't the answer that I was expecting and it wasn't a reassuring answer and I couldn't give it to anybody yeah. I couldn't tell my friends also experienced this loss I wanted to be able to tell them oh, I had this dream and everything was fine they told me that they were okay and I couldn't yeah and that was horrible that was very isolating Well, I've really dragged the mood down now, sorry. No, please don't apologise. It's really rich and so, so much, you know, part of what, what we're all going through. Mm. Um, I mean, do you feel okay? Do you, do you want to carry on? I'm fine, I'm fine. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. I really wasn't expecting to get upset in this, and then I started talking about my friend passing away, so... Dreams have a way of compelling us to speak, don't they? And to speak about that for which we don't otherwise have language. Dream life is a venue for representing difficult experiences, but to borrow one of Toni Morrison's inimitable phrases, they also help us find language for the unspeakable things unspoken. This is why I find the exchange between Ruby and Amber to be so moving. Sharing the dream with a stranger enabled Ruby to find a way to speak about the loss of her friend. This was something she was having trouble talking about. And to be able to voice our unspeakable things unspoken, it, it can be transformative. Both the speaker's relationship to herself and her relationship with others. One of the questions that comes at the end is really like, what it's like to talk about your dreams. I quite enjoy talking about my dreams in general. I mean, obviously, the one that I just spoke about that was connected to my friend's death is distressing when you talk about it because it was a very affecting dream. And because I haven't talked about it that much, I felt like I had to not talk about it to save the feelings of other people. So that's the first time that I've really talked about it in any depth. But talking about my other dreams isn't upsetting. It's funny talking to somebody else about it because they see themes in your dreams. So you were like, oh, with bones and archaeology and digging things up and tunnels. And I hadn't thought about those two things being connected. It's funny when you start to see patterns and things. Ruby's emotional tone has shifted again. And she seems grateful here, enjoying Amber's attunement to the particular language of her imaginary world. The tail end of this conversation turned to larger questions about the kind of communication that dreams afford. And I think it's appropriate that Ruby gets the last word here. What do you make of that, actually, that we're all turning to our dreams to try and, on the one hand, connect, and on the other hand, try and find some sort of patterns or shared meaning? Maybe, like, that is... It's just more socially acceptable to talk about your dreams now, like, whereas before it used to be considered to be a bit of a faux pas to talk about your dreams. Oh, there's nothing more boring than people talking about their dreams. And whilst I have never agreed with that, maybe it's just more socially acceptable now because it's something outside of the same existence that we're all living. We're all living these lockdown lives. And maybe it's okay to talk about your dreams because of the pandemic. Maybe that's partly why these things are coming to light now and why people are talking about them now. Your dream is this expansive place where you can go and experience anything. And in a world where all of your options are are so limited, the dream space represents 
ultimate freedom in a weird kind of way and when you're feeling trapped which I think a lot of people are by the pandemic and by fear as well having something that you can kind of escape into is much more important and what are those themes that are coming out of dreams that makes me feel close to you when you're far away when I'm not seeing you we've dreamed about the same thing that feels like a connection it feels like more than the kind of connection that I can get through zoom or, or on a telephone call it feels like there's something that is really connecting us if we dream about the same thing Guardians of Sleep aims to amplify the work of dreaming. We hope to provide a platform for people to share the things they have trouble expressing otherwise, and to create a space where we might learn to listen to each other anew. Thank you for joining us. This season of The Guardians of Sleep is produced by the Museum of Dreams in partnership with the Museum of London and Birkbeck's Department of Psychosocial Studies. The podcast is edited by Aaron McIndoe Sproul, with music by Andrew Braun.